0: And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall!
1: Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you. Why? Thank you so much. Please sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. (laughs) That's right. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. Before I want to jump into this episode, though, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, Deborah S. Yates, a truly remarkable woman, and I was incredibly moved by her courage and conviction to giving Nancy Ward a voice in this century. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the interview, I strongly encourage you to do so after the conclusion of this episode. All right, so welcome to episode 126. We have a great episode lined up for you today. We have photographer Johanna Sigmund. She'll be talking to us about her amazing life and her brand new book, In Good Company, Notable People with Their Pets, that releases on February the 20th, 2023. In Good Company showcases notable people that you are all very familiar with photographed with their pets. It is a fantastic book, and Johanna has a great story to tell. So let's go ahead and just get her on out here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome all the way from the city of angels, Los Angeles, California, photographer and author, Johanna Sigmund. Johanna, hello. Welcome to the Derek Duval Show. How is the weather out in L.A. today?
2: We have splendid weather, Derek. Good morning to you.
1: So I start my interviews off the same way, and that is, how has it been for you to navigate the crazy COVID-19 world we're living in?
2: You know, I have to say that I've never been more productive than I was during the during the lockdown, so to speak, the quarantine. I got an enormous amount of work done. Uh, I started a, a project I've been meaning to do for many years, and I did have to spend obscene numbers of hours in front of my computer to achieve it, but uh, it's it's on the brink. This is a year where all these enormous projects are all coming to fruition for me, so it's very exciting. I know that a lot of people had issues with the pandemic, but I, I tend to, I've evolved to the point where I'm comfortable with myself. Um, I had a very small but extremely supportive and fun bubble to hang out with whenever we decided to get together so in my particular case I really made the best of it I actually kind of liked not having to deal with other people honestly <laughs> so
1: every journey has a beginning where were you born what was it like to grow up there
2: I was born in New York uh, when I was three years old my family moved to Mexico where I grew up I grew up in Mexico City, so I consider myself completely bilingual, bi- bicultural, all of those things. I am not technically Mexican, but I have a bit of Mexican soul in me and definitely tacos. Then I went to college in California, lived in New York for 11 years as an adult pursuing. An, uh, at that point, I was in advertising and eventually pursued an acting career, which led to California, and I've been here since.
1: I was going to ask you, do you have any favorite memories from your time at Pitzer College?
2: At oh my God, you know, Pitzer was a really, really new school. Um, they had baby trees. I've been back since, and the, the campus doesn't even look the same anymore. its I mean, we we had temporary buildings. They were building out stuff. You know, there are at least twice as many buildings and structures as there were when I first went there. And it was tiny. Everybody knew everybody. It was. Uh, I loved being in college. I loved the being exposed to so many different people and cultures, thoughts, mind. You know the way people saw the world. I liked being intellectually challenged. It was. I chose difficult classes. Well, difficult for me. You know, maybe not for other people. So, what was your major? English and American literature and really? that was so i think I, I i think i gave my my advisor uh, a heart condition because i didn't declare my major until my second semester of my senior year i was so busy taking all of these variety of Classes because I really wanted information on all these different things and he's Johanna you have to declare a major you're graduating <laughs> <And I'm> like <laughs> well we had to cobble together a major and the the one I had the greatest number of credits in was literature so if we combined English and American literature which for some reason at that point were separate you know credit uh, streams somehow by combining them I had to take an extra class and they were all reading classes. So I had five book reports every week. I had to figure out how to read five books every week. Why
1: photography? Exactly. What about photography appeals to you so much?
2: My father was a photographer, uh, a really good amateur photographer. And he would have us posing all the time. And he he took really good pictures. I got my first camera when I was 10. It was a Kodak Instamatic, which I believe everybody my age had one of those at least. <laughs> You know, I grew up with having a camera of all sorts, but, you know, taking pictures like, you know, he, I was here, I eat this, you know, I'm with this person, that kind of stuff. And I never really thought of it as photography, which to me is a much more intentional, thought out process than just taking a picture until after about with breast cancer in 2007. And as a result of chemo, my brain stopped. I, I was a performer. I was a writer. Um, I did a lot of that kind of stuff before chemo. And after chemo, somehow my brain stopped functioning in that way. And I tried for three years to work to get back to, but I, I couldn't, the words failed me. I could not, it took me so long to try and use words to describe what I was feeling or wanted to say that I'd lose the thread. I'd lose the idea. And it was an about a frustration. I picked up my camera and I joined an online community of themed challenges, weekly themed challenges. And suddenly the camera became, I realized that if I could see it in my head, if I could imagine the image, I could create that in a photo. That's how I really got into photography. And that's A lot of the the images that see in the book, in fact, all the images in the book and all my photography is that process is I will discuss in in the case of the pet uh, photos, I will discuss with my subject. um, There's always a a very long intake process before we even get to scheduling. I ask them what they like to do. What's their pet like? What are their rituals? Do they have favorite toys? You know, that kind of stuff. And then the magic of the universe and, you know, all what I don't question why or how it just drops in my head. There's, I see the image in my head and I will share it with my subject. And if they like the idea, then we go ahead and schedule. And I would say 98% of the images that I envision that come to me that way are what you see in the book, almost to the last detail.
1: We're going to talk about the book in a second, but there is one question that I would love to ask you, and that is, you know, you've been doing photography now for quite some time. Who are your who are your idols that you look up to, like Annie Leibovitz or something like that? Is there somebody that just stands out to you like, wow, any photograph they take is just absolute magic, absolute gold?
2: Um, Yeah, I think the, the, the traditional ones, uh, Avedon, certainly Leibovitz. Now, of course... You put me on the spot and I'm failing <laughs> names. I'm terrible with names, but you know, I those people are classic for a reason. They they have a not not only do they have a vision, but their execution, their their way of dealing with light. And I think, you know, photographers, the if you if you know a photographer, you've heard it, it's like, oh my god, look at the light. Isn't that beautiful? Look at that light. And I think that's just we are passionate and absolutely obsessed with with the right light and with the quality of the light and And people like you know Henri cartier benson and and every they they regardless of the genre, they understood the light. Mm-hmm. And that's to me, you know, people say that my lighting is really amazing, and I find that's an amazing compliment to me, but it it, it really is really important to me
1: i think one of the things especially about like lebowitz is her style is so defined that if you see a photograph online or in a magazine without even looking at who took the picture it's like oh that's a that's a an nanny lebowitz that's yeah. a picture you know you just she just has that that just branding that she has you know successfully yeah. compiled so
2: it's also a, a trait of successful photographers is they have found their voice and you're talking about that they have, you know, the, their stamp, their image, their their style is. They have found a way of distilling their the world through that lens, so to speak, and there it's identifiable in many, many ways.
1: Mm. All right, so we're going to go ahead and talk about the new book in okay. good company: notable people with their pets, dropping later this month. First off, the concept for the book is. Brilliant! I'm not gonna lie to you. That was when I first heard about it. I'm like, I have to check this out. Oh. Uh, what in, what inspired you to create it?
2: So the it was very humble beginnings. You know, this is way back. This is about two years after I had started uh, taking pictures again after breast cancer. A friend of mine asked me to do her headshots, and so I went over to her house. And as we were wrapping up, her very ancient dog hobbled in and sat at her feet. And she said, Hey, um, would you take a picture of me and my dog? I don't think he's going to be around for much longer. And I'm like, of course. So she's sitting in a chair and he's on the ground and, and it wasn't happening. There was nothing happening there. I said, Hey, you know, the dog could not get up. He was just too arthritic. And I said, why don't you just get down on the ground with the dog? And I got down on the ground with them. And as I could see, the the relationship happening between them I could see the love happening between them and and I had that epiphany moment of the clouds parting the angels singing and (laughs) I said oh my god I I need to do more of this I want to capture that love that connection that thing that happens between a person and a pet because no matter who you are with and whatever if you're in a business meeting or whatever it is. And the pet comes in, they'll go from always double, oh, have oh, baby. You know, it's like this this transformation that happens to people in the presence of their pets. And that fascinated me.
1: You have assembled some absolutely incredible talent in these pages. How do you even begin to reach out to these people with your idea?
2: So it starts really, really slowly and and Honestly, that's the thing that take that is the hardest is the scheduling and getting people. Because the people that I am reaching are, you know, they're at the apex of their field. It's not just the inter- field of entertainment. There's science, there's sports, there's all these different fields. And, and so this level of people have schedules like you can't believe. And scheduling is often the hardest thing. And one person that took us almost nine months to schedule a shoot after the intake portion, which it took that took t- time as well for me to get the information. So um, it starts out, you know, being in, in California, you you it, everybody inevitably knows somebody is somebody and you just need the one person to really help introduce you to the other person. And I'm really, really fortunate in that my work really resonates from my very first pet portrait, which was uh, the the notable people didn't come for a couple of years. I was just doing regular uh, notable in their own way people, but you know, not not um, notable in terms of careers or anything like that. Um, and when I was showing them from the very first image, people were, did you have to do a book of these because they're not your regular pet portraits their relationships portraits their story portraits they're they're almost like a voyeuristic moment into the lives of people with their pets hmm.
1: so of all the you know people in this book you know you got celebrities like you said athletes scientists who was your absolute favorite to work with
2: <laughs> sophie's choice right yeah. um, i think one of my earlier portraits simply because he is such a legend is is norman Lear. And just the honor of having met him. And he is, do you know the word mensch? He is such a mensch. He is such, I i honestly, I, I would use the word angel with him. He's just an amazing person. And uh, and the shoot was very funny, the the way that came about too.
1: Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break right here. But we'll be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Johanna Sigmund. May I suggest you take this time to... I always say, you know, refresh that drink, but make sure you do take those super long, deep breaths. You know, Clouseau style.
0: Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good.
1: Please, please, please give your attention to a few friends of the show, and we will be right back. I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam, the Provocateur. And together we are the Spy Hearts Podcast. Every Tuesday we decode the best and the worst of spy cinema to decipher if they make the knock list. That's right, the knock list is the need to see official classics of the spy genre. The best of the best, so to speak. Nobody does it better. From Bourne to Bond and Powers to Palmer, you can bet we will cover it. So subscribe now and revel in the audio equivalent of a smooth martini. Just search for SpyHards, that's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S on all major podcast apps. And let's just hope you find us before we find you. In today's story, Elena tried taking a magic potion which she thought would help her. Well, she found out there aren't any magic potions. And you know what? There aren't any magic drugs either. Anytime you take one from anybody but your parents or your doctor, You're taking a very big chance. You're gambling with your health, maybe even your life. Drugs don't make your problems go away.
0: They just create more.
1: Duval Nation, Derek and Mindy Duval here to talk about Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products.
0: The Derek Duval Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro.
1: As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold.
0: With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot. There are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate.
1: Offered in various sized packaging, use promo code DUBALL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember, folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky
0: Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products.
1: Teachers, do you ever have these feelings? or have been told these things.
0: Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own, with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise!
1: Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you.
0: Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy, it is available on Book Baby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Hey, it's Presley Tennant, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can find my brand new EP 600 Miles on all streaming platforms right now. Do want to take that three-mile drive straight to my house in the back of your mind? Did you not think that in a we'll change the plans that we have made? I guess it's hard to hear a heartbreak 600 miles away. Welcome
1: to Wine Chats with Bildo and Lindalyn. My name is Billy Milovanovich, a.k.a. Bildo. My name is Lindsay Kirkwood,
0: also known as Lindalyn. And this is our offensively funny podcast about drinking wine and chatting life. Some of our previous topics include conspiracy theories. I know somebody that thinks the world's flat. What? Like a real person? Yes. Body ailments. I'm going to go from toes up because I have a lot. <laughs> no, seriously, you laugh, but I have so many this body is what ailments. what happens with age, guys. And I know and orgasms.
2: I'm a little bit frustrated, and it just hasn't been happening. I, I'm i trying, Henry's trying, we're all trying, but when
0: orgasming is good, it's good. Basically, we talk about all the things that you would generally talk about over wine with your girlfriends. New episodes out each Monday. Chat, Chat soon.
1: Janae Sergio, arriving.
2: Hello everyone, this is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in operation enduring freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold.
1: Welcome back to episode 126 of the Derek Duvall show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with photographer and author Johanna Sigmund. So from the events photographs that I was sent, the Ed Asner one was brilliant as well as Ed Begley Jr. Yeah. What do you remember working with these legendary actors? And you know, now that Ed is, you know, Asner is gone. Do you have a new appreciation for that photo?
2: I don't have a new appreciation for that photo. So I get, I have, I have this very strange experience about my own photography it's like in the process of it, I, I you know that flow thing, you're just doing it. And um I I just feel so fulfilled and content in the process of doing it. And then when I look at the final image, it's almost like somebody else took that picture. It I, I don't feel like I like, oh my God, that's a really good picture. And it's like, who took that picture? And that's how I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's like somebody else took it. So I can already appreciate the the image uh when it's done. And because it is so almost identical to the thing that I had in my head when I set out to take it, I'm not surprised that I got it. So it's this strange thing. Ed Asner, of course, is you know, he has so many awards and he's won so many things. And and I said to him, look, you know. I, I have this idea that you've come back from just such a black tie event, you know, an award ceremony. You just want to kick back for a minute with your best bud, have a drink, have a stogie. And he goes, yeah, 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 let's do it. Let's do it. And I had not met Dudley, but of course, when I walked in, uh, it was like, well, of course he has a bulldog. What else could he possibly have? And um, I set up the lights and he got it. He totally, in in that sense, he was a total pro. I work really fast. My shoots last a maximum of about an hour from the moment I arrive to the moment I drive away and sometimes less. And I know a lot of photographers, especially, I mean, it's different for sports and fashion because you're getting movement and stuff like that. And they do bursts and they'll have, you know, eight to 900, a thousand images to cull through. I, I'll do between 65 and 80 photos per shoot. That's it because I I know exactly what I want and I get exactly what I want. But with him, you know, it was a really short shoot because he knew, he got it, doubly cooperated. They did their head tilts and you know, the synchronized head tilts. It was great.
1: So obviously, you know, working with uh live animals can always be a challenge for any, you know, profession. How do you manage uh getting a good shot with an with a dog?
2: So that's a really good question. My entire life is, is about energy. And I approach uh, everything and every being has its own energy. And it's an energy that varies from what mood they're in, what day it is, what time of day. And so I'm the sort of person who's extremely perceptive of other people's energy. I can, I can sense physically, I can physically sense a shift in energetic patterns. So when I arrive at someone's home, I I warn them beforehand that my first attention is going to be with the pet, uh, because my goal is to make the pet feel like, oh yeah, I'm part of the furniture. They don't have to perform for me. They don't have to be nervous about me. I'm just, you know, they can be themselves with me, and that's my goal. So I sort of, I call it calibrate. I kind of calibrate my energy to the animal, and the thing I hear most often is like, oh, I've never seen them do that before. So I I hear it constantly. So um, when, and it's interesting, because right now, I just realized that in the process of making their pet comfortable with me, that makes them comfortable with me to see that I respect their pet and that, you know, everything's going to go according to plan, because I'm, a lot of people warn me, you know, they can be a little bit fussy, they can get a little nervous, they are, you know, yippee, and and half the time they're not. Uh, I had a, a guy say, I want you to do a picture of my cat, but he hides every time the door, the doorbell rings. I said, well, that would present an insurmountable challenge. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so he said, well, can you come over to see what would happen? I said, sure. So he was in the neighborhood, and it was a friend, so... I go over there. He opens the door. The dog, the the cat comes out and starts rubbing on my legs. And he's looking at the cat, saying, "That's not my cat. I've never seen this cat. I, I don't understand what's happening right now." I said, "It'll be okay. We'll get we'll, we'll get the shot." Yeah. So I hear it all the time, and I that is a really big uh, part of my work is to make sure that the animal and in coming up with the concept too, that yeah. the concept is something that the animal does naturally that's part of their repertoire that they're not learning or doing a trick for me you know hmm.
1: so i to understand there will be a you know good portion of the proceeds are going to a very good charity can you tell us about the charity that you've chosen
2: yes the charity is called apex protection project they are a wolf and wolf dog advocacy rescue and education organization they're a 501c3 and they are uh, really amazing. The, the reason I chose wolves was because I was struck by what an enormous impact a single action can do. The, the most famous story is about Yellowstone National Park, which had eradicated all of its wolves. And the park started to die the 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 streams were being dammed up by beavers. the the herds were being, you know, getting weak and diseased. I mean, it just there was this collapse of ecosystems because there were no apex predators. When they reintroduced the wolf, it was a miracle. In a year, the park just it was reborn. every all the systems started working again. So there is a very important place in the world for, a, a, like in this instance, uh, wolves, and I felt that, in the same sense that one, this one step, this one book, my book is about showing the humanity and the the way that even you know we we look up to people who are notable as being having a different kind of life and a different type of existence, and the truth is that at heart we are all the same when it comes to love. And I, I wanted, through this book, in the way that I chose Apex to be the first step towards making our ecosystem healthy again by, for, you know, focusing through love that we mm-hmm. feel through our pets.
1: It's a very noble, very noble cause. In your time as a photographer, what would you say would be the best advice that someone's ever given you?
2: Wow. Well, well, my father gave me a bit of advice that has really, really serviced me very well throughout my life. It's not necessarily a photography advice, but I think it's an excellent bit of advice. And he said, surround yourself with people who are better than you. And there is a tendency to do the opposite in our lives because we feel insecure and we, we want to feel like we stand out more. And so the the tendency is to choose mediocre people so that we look better. And I have he did his advice, and I have always surrounded myself with people that I, I look up to that are better than me because they make me a better person, and they raise me up, and they hold me accountable to my higher self, and in the end, make me look better. So that's one piece of advice. Uh, photographically, everybody gives you advice. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that if I were to say anything, it's listen to your passion. Nobody can tell you the best way to express your passion. And it's so easy to try and imitate others because, you know, you get more Instagram posts by using this filter or, you know, whatever. But there are no bad ideas. There's just bad execution. Don't censor your creativity is what I would say.
1: So with that in mind, if someone is listening to this interview, and wants to start a career as a photographer. What advice would you give them?
2: So... I would say this about anybody in the arts, not necessarily just photographers, is you need a support system because doing the work that you love is but a really small sliver of it. Then there's the business of it. And that's the hardest part. The hardest part of for all artists is to have a business plan. Because, you you know, you, you can have a warehouse full of extraordinary art. But if nobody knows about it, then you're not going to have a career. You'll have a lot of art, but you won't have a career. Mm-hmm. And there is that distinction, I think, between being an artist and having a career as an artist. So you need a really good support system. And you, you, you need to set goals. You need to do the work to get out there. You need to have money. And the money is... To live, to live off of and be able to buy your supplies and also to to push your career. Is the old adage of you need money to make money. I mean, and I'm not talking about you need a lot of money to make money, but you do need money to make money. You you need to make first secure your base. Is that Sun Tzu? Is that something from Sun Tzu? Mm-hmm. The art of war. Yeah. So if you if you do not have a secure base, if your home or your food or your work is You don't know where that's coming from. Your creative energy will be stifled because it'll be, you know, flooded with fear and insecurity and and real life issues.
1: So what is next for Johanna?
2: Well, honestly, we want to do, I want to do, well, me and the publisher want to do a series of these books. Notable, you know, architects with their pets, notable athletes with their pets, notable, you know, Fill in the blank with their pets, because I think this is the introductory one. So there's, it's a smorgasbord, you know, it's a poo-poo platter of different types of notable people. And I love that. Um, but as, as I started working, I realized that turning it more into a, like a niche, like people who really like musicians, like I'd love to see, you know, portraits of so-and-so and so-and-so with their pets. That's what the, the goal is here. Hmm.
1: So as we end the final phase of this interview, I always like to ask one fun question. And That is, you know, when you're not being a photographer, what do you like to do for fun? How do you relax?
2: I dance tango. Really? <laughs> yeah. Argentine tango. So I, I wrote a book on that too called The Tower of Tango. Yes, it is a social dance, but I found it also to be a transcendental, transformational experience that completely changed my my life. I mm-hmm. love it.
1: How long have you been doing that?
2: Oh, my God, since uh, 98, so a while, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online?
2: So I have an IG account. It's Supertographer. I have a Facebook page. It's Johanna Sigmund Photography. My website, Johannesigmund.com.
1: All right. So I am my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this, if the entire planet is listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of earth?
2: Choose love, you know, uh, approach the world from your heart and not from your head and seek the, the law of attraction. And as I said, at the top of the show, I believe in energy and the law of attraction is whatever you put out, you get back. So, if you put out anger and hostility and resentment and judgment, that's what you are going to get back. Uh, the world reflects what you put out. So, choose love, and approach everybody from a place of love and a, from your heart. Expect the highest from them, and you will you will never be disappointed.
1: Beautiful. So the book is In Good Company, Notable People with Their Pets, available on February the 20th, 2023, which is also Love Your Pet Day.
2: And who doesn't love their pet? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you can pre-order that book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you get your books. Johanna. congratulations, best thank of luck with you. the book, and thank you for coming on the show.
2: Oh, pleasure, Derek. Thank you so much for having me.
1: And just like that, Deval Nation, we come to the end of episode 126. I want to thank Johanna for taking the time to come on the show today. What a delightful lady, and I am overjoyed that we got to speak with each other. I encourage everyone to go out there and purchase that book. I've seen the pictures, and they are phenomenal. Tune again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I've got a really good one coming up in a few days. So be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have. So please go hit that subscribe button to keep up to date for when new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, you know what? Drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. We are still enjoying our partnership with the amazing Tee Public. The Derek Duvall Show has a great little store on there. And we have everything with our logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. I recently went back through the Tee Public archive and I added over 30 new t-shirts on there. So if you ever want to own a t-shirt that I, Derek Duvall, myself possess... That shirt being Beavis and Butthead sitting next to Wayne and Garf on a couch. Then go to our website, com. Go on the banner on the left It says merch, Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on TeePublic. And once again, I want to thank Public for being such great partners with this show. Okay, so before we close this out, I would be completely ignorant if I did not mention the absolute horrible tragedy unfolding in Turkey and Syria. This earthquake, as of this recording, has left over 28,000 people dead and hundreds of thousands more homeless and displaced. I would not be doing my job if I did not encourage you, if you have the means, to make a donation to a notable charity such as Plan International. This is a horror of unprecedented scale. So please hug your loved ones close tonight as thousands of people will no longer be able to. So on behalf of myself and the entire team here at The Derek Deval Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, take stock of the good fortune you have in your life and please make a donation to the Turkey disaster relief through Plan International and we will put a link for that on our social media pages. No stock God bless and see you next time planet Earth
0: This has been a recording of the Derek Duval show and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website derekduvalshow.com for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duval Show.